Well, hello there, dad and lovely listeners, and welcome to the brand newest installment of the greatest horror movie podcast in this realm and all others. Why, it's dad and lovely here with your best buds in all the world. It's me, your good buddy, Uncle Ben. And me, Hollywood Steve. Ooh, Hollywood Steve, how you been doing today, man? <laughs> one of those, huh? Yeah. One, one of those, those is just a bunch of sounds. Yeah. <laughs> whole bunch of sounds coming out. Yeah, it's <laughs> just a it's a day. Yeah, like, one of those, huh? Ben, let me tell you, I remember the hype for April twentieth of twenty twenty. Oh man, it was gonna be the four twentieth of four twenties, dude. For years. And when I woke up that day and I, I got on the the interwebs, I didn't see a single 420 meme until mid-afternoon. Wow. That's sad. Like, that's actually People really forgot. sad. People just forgot. That's, that's, uh, that's where I'm at. I'm at forgot 420. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which wouldn't have meant anything. It would have just been a bunch of memes and people going, nice. Like, <laughs> but it's just a thing you come to expect. Uh, and it didn't happen. So that that's pretty much a microcosm of my entire life right now. Well, what does it mean to us, though, that, like, Easter came and went and, like, we didn't even notice, but we're, like, bummed out. They're like, oh, man, everybody yeah. forgot 420. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Easter's lame. 420 is awesome. <laughs> and 420 is also lame. <laughs> like, we've, we've gone back around on it where we all were so ironically being, like, 42069 that, again, it's, like, actually cool. <laughs> Yeah, that is cool. <laughs> Dude, I've turned out having myself a more exciting day than I bargained for, man. Yeah? It was one of those. So we, we had to take the dog to the vet. Uh, as anybody that listens to the show knows, poor Zora tore yeah. her, her CCL, which is poor kind of the doggy gal. ACL. Yeah, so she's been mm. going in for just like, you know, steroid shots and stuff like that just to yeah. kind of dull Getting the pain. Fucking well, swole. The thing is, is that we can't get her surgery done because it's non-essential right now. Yeah, I know. So we kind of got to just like, you know, keep her comfortable until she can actually get the operation and, and get it fixed up and stuff. So yeah. we went to the vet and uh, yeah, I said she got her shot and stuff in and out really quick. And then she she went out in the grass to do her business there before we got back in the car. Totally stomped in a ton of some other dog shit all over my back seat. Oh, very great. Exactly what you want yeah. in these trying times. Uh-huh. Dog <laughs> shitty backseat. Yeah. And so the thing is that makes this even more challenging is, you know, well, of course, you know, she's tracked shit in on the, the upholstery of the back seat, but then also we have like a 30 minute drive to get back home. So she's going to lay down on that seat too. Oh. Yeah. Which means, of course. Shitty dog fur. Yeah. And of course, that means she has to get a bath as soon as we get back. Uh-huh. So we get back. Kate takes the dog inside. I go outside to like clean the upholstery in my car, which is super fun, of course. And the thing about the thing that makes this more complicated is the fact that we don't have a bathtub in our apartment. We have a right. you know, vertical shower stall. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Picture, if you will, a, <laughs> a little tiny woman and a 100 pound dog <laughs> fitting in a shower stall <laughs> trying to bathe the dog. 
I think I got the yeah. easier end of the deal by cleaning the shit off the car seat. Frankly. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and pretty much as soon as we were done with that, I had to hop on the internet to do a live stream with my good buddy Ken Susie of the band Unearth. We were doing oh. a live stream for the uh, the Fishman uh, YouTube channel and Twitch stream and all that jazz. Fishman oh, makes cool. some awesome pickups that I use in several of my guitars. Yeah, one of the pickups, biggest. Those are the things that hold the guitar right exactly right. yes they yep. pick it up mm-hmm. they pick up they pick it up right the notes yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> i know all about guitars i got it oh dude yeah clearly i mean you know <laughs> you got it down you got the lingo dude yep so we did that live stream which actually was a lot of fun it was really cool and then pretty much just hopped right on to to do this business right here and Hell as soon yeah, as i'm man. done with this i gotta probably work out because i didn't work out this morning so i was too busy getting ready to take the dog to the vet and stuff so yeah action-packed day man uh have you have you fallen in love with any exercises ben dude no but i'll tell you i found a bunch that i fucking hate man so (laughs) a lot of days we do like you know youtube like pilates things and stuff like that and there's plenty of stuff to hate in those we we change it up all the time so that we're not just doing the same thing all the time and Uh you know so we we check out all these different people's channels and we do this person's workout and this person's workout or whatever but we hate them all so much because they make us feel terrible so all of these different channels have just turned into like, well, let's work out with the Australian bitch today. No, let's work out with the Asian bitch today. It's just like, they're all just like different kinds of bitch and we hate them all. Oh, oh no. I really wonder what's going on though. Whenever you watch those workout videos and it'll have like, yeah. you know, one person at the front that has the microphone and then the yeah. two people or three people behind them that are doing the workout with them. Uh-huh. How come you can't hear those people cussing and stuff? <laughs> Like, why can't you hear them going, God damn, fuck? Because I know that while we're working out, we're cussing a blue streak the entire time. <laughs> oh, man. I, yeah, I, I, I imagine I would be the same way. I, I have to make my own workouts. I can't, I can't do other people telling me what to do. I got to know exactly what's coming every single time. And I have to determine ahead of time if I can actually do it. Like, I, I, I hate you start a workout and they're like, all right, now we're going to do like 250 uh, handstand push-ups. And it's like, oh, um, one, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Dude, maybe you should, you should start your own YouTube fitness channel that deals with this and you call it Rage Against the Exercise Machine. Yeah. <laughs> Rage Against the Exercise Fuck Machine. Fuck you, I won't yeah. do it, you tell me. Man, I don't know if I've ever talked about this. I probably have. But like when you go and look up beginners workouts and it's like, do 10 pull-ups. I have been working toward doing pull-ups the entire time since uh, I stopped going to the gym and had to work out at home. And They're hard I as shit. S- I still struggle to do two pull-ups in a row. So what the fuck is that a beginner workout? <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, they're so hard, especially if you have like any extra weight on you it's ridiculous yeah like if you're a beginner you're probably trying to lose some weight and it'll be like do like three sets of 10 push-ups and it's like 10 like at 290 pounds you want me to do 10 push-ups right like now i can do 10 push-ups and actually i fell in love with push-ups this week uh oh yeah i I had heard at some point it kind of clicks i've never like doing uh push-ups for football practice baseball practice doing push-ups uh in gym class and stuff i always sucked at push-ups uh and it just clicked 
one day and I was like, oh my gosh, I can do push-ups. Wow. Uh, I've been working out for nine, ten months now. So that is not a beginner workout. <laughs> it's no. a ridiculous idea that somebody is going <laughs> to, as a beginner, start doing push-ups. Dude, no kidding. And also, too, like, doesn't that just make you terrified of what intermediate must be like? You know, yes. it makes you feel like a piece of shit where you're like, this what is the a fuck? beginner one and I can't do this. Exactly. Why yeah. even try? Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't watch those work. I, I do. Uh, I do from time to time watch them. And I saw one the other day with this guy. I'm not going to say his name because I can't remember it, but uh he had so many tattoos and he had them in this like place. You know how uh, Randy Orton's tattoos make it look like he has like a tiny little shirt on? <laughs> yeah, it does. It's adorable. It's like so weird. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, this guy, it's like that, but like across his neck. So it was like he was wearing like this weird sleeved uh, dicky. <laughs> of tattoos it was so hard for me to follow along with what he was doing because i was like because like some of them were great and some of them didn't look as great i yeah i don't know how you do that like why <laughs> when you're putting together a sleeve of tattoos you're like hey uh sheedy mcgee with the homemade tattoo gun can you do one and hey you this uh, obviously professional can you do the other <laughs> what the fuck i like the contrast yeah <laughs> Yeah, we definitely found a lot that we really hate, man. I, I hate, like, uh, what is that thing called? Where, like, you're holding a weight and you do a squat and you, like, pulse. It's like a squat pulse, I guess. Mm-hmm. Those are terrible. Yeah, also, hate the, dude, the one where you're holding your weights kind of, like, over your shoulders. You do a squat and then you push the weights up straight up over your head. Uh-huh. Squat press or something like that. I can't remember what these fucking things are called. Holy shit, man. Just grueling. Hate that stuff, Grueling. Man. <laughs> I have had time this week, though, to watch some stuff while I'm not getting fucking oh, yeah? shredded as shit. Hell you yeah. hear about it? Yeah, tell me about it. I've watched some very bad stuff this week. Uh-oh, let's hear it. I've watched some things that I did not think were good, um, one of which was fucking Aquaman. <laughs> oh, God damn. I, I don't know if I talked about it when I watched it, but yeah, it's bad. It's so bad yeah. it's so I, bad i don't understand because i remember people saying it was fun i'm starting to like doubt my own concept of fun yeah because it was not fun no at all man it's no. like it, it was totally in that weird valley that movies like the phantom menace and stuff like that are in where you're like who is this made for yeah, this is like why? way too boring for kids and way too stupid for adults like yeah who is this for you know exactly and that's, they put so much work into it, man. Like the the, the <laughs> yes. CG and all that stuff was so huge uh, in the movie. Somebody spent thousands of hours and millions of dollars on this for nothing. Like it fucking sucks, dude. Yeah. It, it has really led bad. me to this idea though, man. Like because obviously we're seeing that DC has a knack for sucking the fun out of fucking anything, right? Yes, they do. I think the next time the government or the moral majority is trying to make something that's <laughs> You know, maybe cool or fun seem not fun. Just have the Hire DC, DC people. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like if you, you want to get everybody off of drugs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, don't try weed brought to you by the producers of DC. It's yeah. like they would make it actually look like the least fun yeah. thing in the universe. You'd be like, God, no, I, I never want to do that. I never want to drink. 
Look it shows a marijuana plant with damaged tattooed on its head, <laughs> and everybody's just like, "Yeah, no, not interested." It's like, "Oh my god, pot is so not cool." Did you see that fucking commercial? It's lame as shit. <laughs> they can take love the fun those out of movies, man. Why? Some people love those movies. I do not know what's going on. I it's just a complete reversal of my expectations in watching those movies that anybody would say I loved this. It was horrible. I really yeah. hate it. And it just took so long. It was such a fucking long it's movie. So long, yeah. But it's not as long as the other piece of dog shit I watched this this week. What was which that? was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Holy oh, shit. Yeah? I got in some hot water posting on this because I posted about it online and I got a bunch of people that were just like, fuck you, man. That movie <laughs> is so fucking boring. I love Quentin Tarantino. I mm. love it. Like Pulp Fiction is my favorite movie of all time. I love Kill okay. Bill One and Two. I love Plan uh 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 Fuck, what's his segment of, of Planet Terror? No, that's Rodriguez. Oh, uh, the the other one? The other one. <laughs> Holy shit, Death Proof. Yeah. Good lord. Death yeah, clear, proof, clearly I'm a huge fan. Um, <laughs> I even love the, the recent stuff. I love Inglorious Bastards and all those. Dude, once upon a time in Hollywood, I am pretty sure that Quentin Tarantino was like, oh shit, my taxes are going to be really hard this year. I need a big old write-off. Well, I got hmm. all these cool Hollywood friends that we could hang out and stuff. Uh, maybe we just make a movie so that way I can have a tax write-off. Huh. It sucks. Have you watched it? I haven't. I know that a lot of people are like, oh, it's a love letter to the golden era of Hollywood, and there's so many references to classic Hollywood, blah, 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 blah. I don't give a shit. It's a boring-ass story, dude. It's like, if I wrote that script and sent it in to top Hollywood producers, it never would have gotten made. Because it's a boring-ass story, dude. Uh, well, I mean, you saying it's a love letter to the golden age of Hollywood makes me want to watch it. <laughs> I mean, you try it out and see if you see something in it that yeah. I don't. Because I would yeah. love your take on it, because I wanted to love the movie. I was so excited yeah. to watch it. And, dude, there's a point in the movie where Kate fell asleep for 10 minutes. She woke <laughs> back up and was like, oh, I dozed off. What did I miss? And I was like... Actually, nothing. Like, you're fine. <laughs> she picked back up on the movie, had no questions about anything that was going on. And the big thing that I get from people about it, and the reason they like it so much, is like, oh, man, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt are so good in it. Well, no shit. When are they ever not awesome? That's true. That they're is true. always great. Of course yeah, they are. Yeah, they're not going to take a role if they're not going to take it seriously. So, yeah, of course they're great in it. Yeah. No big deal at all, man. Yeah, I... I was not a fan of it in the least, man. A couple of people have told me you need to get that second watch on it to really get it. And may maybe I will sometime, but I'm not jazzed about watching that anytime uh, soon. But, you know, we did watch one that was better than that. What was? That new Pixar flick, Onward, is a lot of fun. Oh, okay. I was not excited to watch it because from the trailers, I was like, this looks like a jumbled mess of just stuff. You know what? Um... I'll admit, I don't even know in the least, like, nothing is registering in my head when you say onward. Yeah. I don't know what that is. It wasn't even promoted all that heavy, but it's kind of like huh. you got these dudes that are brothers, and they're in this, like, fantasy universe, and they're kind of kind of Smurf-ish, I guess. Oh, uh, I've seen, yeah, I've seen uh, previews for that. Okay. Yes. It was, dude, it was way better than I thought it would be. It was a good time, I, man. I mean, yeah, but I, I don't, uh, is there a Pixar movie that is, is just bad? Um, I know. Car, uh, I, like I mean, cars. cars isn't great, but it's still like okay. Cars. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, not, not really. I mean, really, they always knock it out. They'll always gut punch you and make you cry a little bit, though. Yeah. But yeah. it was good, man. And also, man, I'll tell Pixar you, the, nails it, huh? the last one that I watched this week, 
I want to see if you can guess it. Okay. I want you to tell me if you can think of a flick uh-huh. where the soundtrack literally is just alternating songs between Third Eye Blind and Smash Mouth. Literally. <laughs> a movie where you can drop the hard the hard F as a gay insult and nobody uh-huh. bats an eye, so you already know the time period. Right. And maybe even a movie where Seth Green wears goggles. Oh, can't hardly wait. <laughs> you damn right I watch Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> and it That's was awesome. stupid. <laughs> it is bad, yeah. Uh, Dude, it doesn't hold what, up. Though. No, but, but it uh, was kind of like I, the right I, I one to have. I back in the day. Yeah, yeah but it was kind of like the right one to have on while like, you know, I think I was like editing a video and Kate was working on something and like I had to wash some dishes and stuff and it was just like, I don't know, have noise on. <laughs> It was like, well, yep, this that's is just noise. There yeah, that's go. 90s noise right there. Uh-huh. <laughs> so stupid, man. Such a dumb fucking movie. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I also tuned in for the streaming chat last Friday, oh, yeah. our weekly streaming chat we do with our fans on Discord, where we all uh-huh. watch a shitty movie and chat it up and stuff. Yeah, I, was, if, it, if it was not apparent, was very drunk. It was apparent. <laughs> <laughs> what was the giveaway? Because I know that you could tell if uh, I was there talking in person, but like talking via text, what was the giveaway? What what blew my cover? Um. Oh, uh, drunk Ben d- is like, is like, I got something to say, but I'm gonna ask a question to get y'all to let me say it. <laughs> so like, you're just that asking is something tons I would of do. questions. <laughs> you're just asking so many questions, and it's like, all right, like cool, like yeah. I mean, I got so, a bunch of feedback that I knew you wouldn't remember, but I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> but like, oh, that's funny. Yeah, you just like middle of a conversation, you just be like, hey, what's what's up? What's what's y'all's favorite episode of the show or something? <laughs> What y'all think about Bo Cephas? Yeah. <laughs> That's so and then fucking you, stupid. And then you spilled your champagne. And that was like, oh, well, yeah, he's drunk. Oh, dude, I was so upset. Because, yeah, I was sitting on the couch. And, like, Zora, like, mule kicked me. She was sleeping. Oh, yeah. and just kind of did one of those dog mule kicks, you know? And I spilled <laughs> a bunch of champagne on, on the couch. And then, like, two <laughs> minutes later, I spilled the rest of it on the floor. <laughs> Just totally my own fault at that point. That's awesome. Just a real dumb piece of shit is what I was, oh. man. Oh man, I yeah, I got I got pretty drunk that night too. Uh, we watched the Crazies, which we watched the remake of the Crazies. Obviously, uh, I don't remember very much. No, it's. I mean, I remember liking it around the time it came out. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, but rewatching it, it was like, eh, it's not. It's not great. Uh, it's fine. It's got some cool scenes. It's got some cool stuff in it. Uh, and Timothy Oliphant is, is awesome. I love so, that guy. He is awesome, yeah. man. He makes yeah. an appearance so in that Once was Upon fun. a Time in Hollywood as well. Yeah. But, I mean, I, we watched it just because it was the last week before uh, the Joe Bob Briggs thing comes back on, on Shutter. Nice. What is that called? Last Drive-In. That's there you it. go. Uh, it. Which is what we normally watch on the streaming chat. But uh, it's 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 been on hiatus for about eight months or so so it's it's nice to see them coming back uh no idea what they're going to be doing but we'll find out on friday night i think after i tuned out i think you guys watched some other stuff too right we well we do okay so dave bichet and i watched this one time on the streaming chat when it was like it was after a movie and everybody else got off and 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 dave and i were just like let's watch something we watched uh biotherapy maybe there was somebody else there i don't know Uh, that one it's this uh, Japanese 
I would just call it a short film, but it's like 35 minutes. Uh, it would be a really good segment of, of a anthology. It's, uh, it's weird sci-fi ish stuff. The, the gore is awesome. Like a guy's eye gets pulled out and it looks like so good. Um, this woman gets like test tubes stabbed into her and then blood is just spurting out of the oh, test shit. tubes. Awesome. Uh, it, it's really like the story is very strange, uh, but it, it's not it's not so much about the story it's more about the effects but i'd say it's kind of like this like japanese take on giallo with some strange sci-fi element thrown in that sounds cool man yeah so we watched that afterward when there were more people to show it to to just be like hey look at how cool this is and a lot of people agreed it is cool nice i like cool stuff yeah me too so check it out sometime it's on it's on uh youtube biotherapy it's japanese it has subtitles and uh it's only 35 minutes which i think is if you're gonna make something that's just super weird and maybe isn't gonna make sense entirely you don't need it to be feature length no no reason go for 30 minutes that's fine right on man i'll have to check that out and everybody please check out the the discord stream and chat especially everybody's kind of cooped up at home and stuff right now hell Hang out with your boys. With yeah, we had a boys. lot of people there uh, on Friday. It was really fun. It's fun. The more people you have, the more fun it is. Yeah, no uh, doubt, man. So many of our listeners are so funny. It's it's hilarious. It's a good time. Oh, yeah. It's always a great time. Of course, that's totally for free. Anybody can sign up for the Discord oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Get yourself some socialization going on in these trying oh, yeah. times. Let's get social. <laughs> Steve, you also told me you watched a couple of documentaries that pertain to this film. We'll talk about those when we get to the uh, to the review proper. You checked out anything else good this week? Uh, I watched the the first episode of season two of What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, uh, is that awesome? Good? Yeah, awesome. Oh, it, it, the show is is so good. I'm excited for the second season. Like, just so funny. Right on, man. I got to tune into those right there. All right, now, Steve, I need to get myself a little whistle wetter. Me too. You know what I'm saying? My whistle is dry. Oh, man. It's a good thing we got ourselves another delicious beer from K2 Bros Brewing from upstate New York that my good buddy, our friend Jeff Rupert, sent us here. We've got ourselves an Imperial Chocolate Peppermint Stout. My good Lord, does that ever sound awesome. Yes, it does. I'm expecting Junior Mints. I hope that or that's what we get out of a York peppermint patty. And 10% alcohol. <laughs> 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 Definitely <laughs> buckle it up for that. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, this is going to be awesome, man. This is one of the ones that whenever Jeff sent us his, his box of beers from K2 there, this is one of the ones that I opened up and I was like, oh my God, I cannot wait mm. to try that one. Of course, K2 well, it, has not been disappointing. It looks stout us. as hell. Yep, it sure does. It's a really dark, chocolatey looking stout right here. See if I can get some of that peppermint off of the aroma. Are you a chocolate peppermint person, Steve? Some people love it. I do some people like hate that. it. I know. I know people hate it, but I, I love it. I don't know. Like, I, I've had some that's bad, and I yeah. get why some people hate it, but I love it. You know, I love chocolate peppermint most all of the time. I love a chocolate yeah. peppermint ice cream. I love a York peppermint patty. But, you know, the really oddball one that I absolutely can't stand, and I can tell you why... I hate an Andes mint. I hate them. Oh, okay. Why? So it seems weird because it's just like, well, that's just more mint and chocolate stuff. How is it any different than the rest, you know? Mm-hmm. 
So my dad had a friend mm-hmm. that worked for, you know, Brock Candy Company. They're the ones that make all the shitty, just, you know, grandparent candy is like Starlight Peppermints and Butterscotch Discs and stuff like yeah. that. He had a friend that worked for them and, you know, he would just basically like swipe, you know, box fulls of stuff that was going to go bad in two months or whatever, uh-huh. right? But the thing is, whenever like, you know, somebody brings you a box of candy that's going to expire in like two months, that means five or six months later, you're still working your way through it. And those Andes mints are now four months expired. Oh, gosh. So they're just kind of kind of get like dry and chalky and shitty, you know? Yeah. But I ate a bunch of them because I like chocolate and peppermint. But there's something right. about that that just like... I don't know. It just reminds me of that, and I can't stand it. Ruins it ruins it. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I understand that. How's that I, beer I had a heart. Okay, man. So, yes, this is... Yes, this is very junior minty. Oh, yeah, say. it is. It's it's stout as hell. Yes, like, it's very stout. Mm-hmm. Very, very dark chocolatey, which I love. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. It's more like if you had a York peppermint patty that had, like... One of those like ninety percent cacao chocolate yeah, wrappings. The Trader <laughs> Trader Joe's peppermint patties are like that. The dark chocolate ones. They, they're that's what I'm getting because it's minty, but it's not like overly minty. You know, it's interesting too because initially the the initial aftertaste is yeah of a a very dark bitter stout, but then after you wait about ten seconds, the aftertaste really does taste like you just had a York peppermint patty. Yeah, yeah, it's just like a cool mouth. Yeah, but it's also still like dark and chocolatey too. It's also Damn. got like an, it does have an alcohol bite to it, but it's like a good thing. Oh yeah. Well, it says this Imperial Oatmeal Stout was brewed with Cholaca? What is that? Is that a kind of hop or something maybe? I assume. I have no idea. Cholaca, <laughs> candy canes, mint leaves, brown sugar, and peppermint patties. It definitely oh, okay. tastes like it for sure. That's good as hell. Hell yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah, I don't know how many of these I could have because, uh, yeah. That's a heavy-duty Judy. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Well, you know, Steve, the subject of our show today is the Tejas Chainsaw Massacre Part That's it. Part (laughs) D. And the thing that really stands out to me about this movie is that it is a sequel that completely flipped the script and totally changed the idea and the feel and the tone of its original. But of course, it's not the only thing in movie or otherwise entertainment history that has ever attempted this crazy feat. So No no. I say before we get into the movie review proper, let's just uh let's pop in over there at the preview palace. Welcome to the preview palace. And how about we just take a second here and talk about some of our favorite times that the creators of a popular franchise in entertainment history, meaning not just limited to movies, have totally changed it up when they hit that sophomore or later sequel stride, you know? Yeah. yeah. What's the first thing I mean, that comes to mind for you? Well, the first thing that comes to mind for me is Terminator, because mm. that movie went... Terminator 2 goes from a slasher film... To hard sci-fi yeah like it's yeah. such a such a stark difference between the two movies yeah uh, definitely like we're it, it'll be tar- entirely valid when we cover terminator on this uh but when we do have to do terminator 2 it'll be a wild card 
because there's no like horror element to it really that's true aside from the the hallway scene in the insane asylum when mm-hmm. she first sees him like she reacts because she was in a horror movie with him she has to adjust to now i'm in a sci-fi movie with him <laughs> yeah that's true man they are definitely very differently toned movies that first one mm-hmm. Has such a cool, like bleak sci-fi horror kind yeah. of vibe to it. Like you said, very slashery and stuff at times. And then the second one is fucking Budnick on a dirt bike and Guns yeah. N' Roses and all kinds <laughs> it's of awesome. So awesome, shit. awesome though. Oh I mean, Terminator God, 2 is a movie that I can rewatch over and over and over and just still love it. But you know, that's not the only time that James Cameron just came in and said, you know what, part two no. should be totally different, and then nails the dog <laughs> shit out of it. Right, uh, Alien and Aliens. Like yeah. Alien is is a horror movie. It's hard sci-fi, but it's a horror movie. Aliens is an action movie. Yeah, man. Well, you know, again, it's kind of it's kind of the same vibe as what Terminator One and Two are, where it's like part one right. is sci-fi horror, part two is sci-fi action. Yeah, I mean, and it's a it's a good movement if you're gonna keep building on a world, like, uh. What else are you gonna do there with the horror? Like right. you, you can't, you can't go beyond. All you would do is exactly what, say, you know, Friday the Thirteenth or Halloween did, where you're just retreading the same thing over and over, and it's fun and campy. But if you're trying to be a serious filmmaker like uh, James Cameron, then you you kind of want it to go somewhere interesting, yeah. and that seems like the best way to go. Just dig further into the sci-fi and make it an action movie well i think it's also so evident too that james cameron really knows what made alien so effective is that yeah you know and we talked about it on our episode where we reviewed alien a couple months back but it's like the whole movie you're never sure what that thing is you don't get a full body shot of that thing until way late in the movie so it's just kind of this like ambiguous unknowable form which is what makes that movie so cool. And you never know where it is and all that kind of shit. But James Cameron knows, as Bugs Bunny once told us, it's a cool trick, but you can only do it once. Right. So next time you got to go bigger and badder and you got to show it. Yeah. Show the fucking things and make it a full-on action kill fest. Yeah. Makes the suspense different. Makes the suspense that they're completely outnumbered by these things. Yeah. it's. I mean, I can see a world where... Terminator or Alien had sequels that were further horror films. Yeah. And it would just be campy and stupid. It it wouldn't ever I mean maybe with Alien you could have continued that, but it would just be a retread kind of over and over that would never reach the heights of the original whereas Aliens does reach the heights of the original and some people prefer it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same with Terminator and Terminator Two. Some people prefer Terminator Two as as the better movie. I I think it is. Honestly. I like T Two better. Honestly, yeah. Alien is better than Aliens. I think I, so. Yeah. But I Aliens said is so fucking good. Oh, Aliens is the shit, man. I would have said yeah. the opposite years ago when I was a kid because I liked seeing right. shit get blown up and the aliens look so yeah, cool, it's cool. And you see them all the time. But yeah, now in my older, wiser years, <laughs> I now know that Alien is the superior movie. Yeah, it is a better movie. So, you know, I wanted to keep the movies out of my list, because I figure you're probably going to have a pretty movie-centric kind of list. I was thinking yeah. about times in my life I've experienced something that was amazing, and then the next one comes out, and you're like, what the what? What is this now? <laughs> <laughs> and your voice goes really high. <laughs> what? My voice. My voice is so high. I know that's what happened to me whenever I played Super Mario Brothers 2 for the NES. 
Oh yeah, I remember this, man. I remember the Nintendo Power cover for it and oh, just being yeah. like, "What's this going to be?" Yeah, dude. I mean, to go from the original, which of course is one of the most historic legendary games of all time, and yeah. then being like, "I don't know, you can play as these four different characters and the soundtrack is mostly kind of gypsy jazz and you pull up turnips and there's potion bottles and yeah. you go, I think to don't you go to Egypt in some part, or is that the Game Boy one? I know you do. In the oh Game no, Boy you one. go. You go to a desert world, an ice world. Uh, there's like a wind level. Oh, yeah. I think that's the ice level as well. It has the wind because you get pushed around on the oh, ice. Oh, dude, it's yeah. so hard, man. And then of yeah. course, like you could also play as the princess who has the float jump, dude. Yeah. If you weren't playing as her every time, you're a sucker. Well, I've seen the world record for beating it, and it's mostly Mario and Toad. Really? Is what, is what they use. Yeah, because uh, Toad is, he pulls up things faster and digs faster. Ah, uh, I Oh, wait, see. maybe it's Luigi and Toad. I can't okay. remember. Okay. But yeah, Luigi makes sense because he can jump further. Well, I guess, too, if you're speed running, that float jump just eats up time. Yeah, it does. It's really slow. That's, I think, what's the rationale. But uh, yeah, that movie, or that game, it really was. It was like so different than Mario in a, a way that was like fun still yeah because like say legend of zelda 2 in comparison to the first <laughs> legend of zelda so different and it had its moments but it was just not, not yeah fun in That's the way a zelda that, was fun it, it zelda 2 did not need that change up to happen the top down rpg kind of thing yeah it's kind of where zelda's at home so yeah yeah well i mean you know and then later and uh we, we get the more like you know i mean i don't know if you've played the new one what is it called jesus oh, like breath, breath of, the, of wild the wild and all that stuff breath of the wild like i've it's heard it's gorgeous. phenomenal and it's like it's incorporated things that you see in a lot of other uh rpgs but it, it still has the feel of zelda like right. they've always kept a good feel but that second one just is so outside of of what the Zelda games normally feel like. Yeah, and I'll point it yeah. out too because I already know that that somebody out there is muttering this under their breath right now. But the reason that Mario Two was so different is that was apparently some Doki other Doki game Panic. entirely. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Just it was just it. a reskin of Doki Doki Panic, which was uh, a a Japanese game. It, it uh, yeah, they they just wanted to get a sequel out to America quickly because there was a sequel that was eventually released in America that was released in Japan pretty immediately that here was called the lost levels oh yeah uh, that's right they didn't release it in america because american gamers uh thought it was too hard it's insanely hard are you kidding and it is <laughs> it's yeah brutal man yeah, yeah so they just that... reskinned uh, an easy game <laughs> right yeah every now and then a game franchise can go in a different direction entirely than where it started from and it's a great thing like whenever i think about Castlevania Symphony of the Night, like that's probably my favorite game ever, and yeah. it essentially kind of it, it picked up the torch where you know you had the original one which was whipping ghouls and you're in a castle yeah. and blah blah blah, but it really upped it with that more Metroid like open map, uh, yes. all the like weapons and RPG elements like magic and uh, hit points yeah, and stuff like that. Embracing all that definitely made the Castlevania series so much better. Oh, yeah. And I think you said the same thing about, like, the, the Fallout games, right? Yeah, Fallout 3 really changed because it, it's uh, up to Fallout 3. These were, like, top-down, oh, uh, like, small sprites sort of games. 
but Fallout 3 brought it into this huge open world sort of first person view uh way better looking graphics more you know intimidating looking uh creatures and things that you run into it's and and it operates uh in a, a much different way than the originals did and it really makes this because those originals are great and fun and i think i think you can play them for free pretty sure on wow. the fallout website so like if you've never played those originals they're really fun and and interesting but fallout 3 fallout new vegas fallout 4 like that that shift into these like first person games makes them some of my favorite games of all time wow man you know even you talking about that too kind of reminded me as well that the the Grand Theft Auto series was not oh, always yeah. the open world right. crazy shit that it that is now. That first game was, I, I remember playing it and loving it so much, but it was just, yeah, top it was down. just top-down destruction, yeah. and everything looked about the same, like the cars didn't look much different. But yeah, then you get to San Andreas, and it's fucking awesome. Dude, and when like Vice City and stuff came out, uh-huh. holy oh, shit, man. you couldn't Dude. go to anybody's house and not see yeah. that. Like during that time period, I think it was around that same time period. If you went over to any of your friends' houses, it was either <laughs> they were playing that or they were watching one of the Lord of the Rings movies on TV. <laughs> that was the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I'm going to tell you, it was great. And it was pretty great. Yeah. Because after either one, <laughs> then you'd watch Dave Chappelle reruns and everything was great. Oh, well, yeah. Just and your day was awesome, yeah. And you were like, "Boy, nine eleven, huh? That was a bummer." <laughs> and you were at a place that wasn't your home, and you were less oh, yeah. than six feet away from someone. Oh yeah, you'd be all upon people. Ew. I, I remember back in the day, we'd just sit on each other's laps for fun. <laughs> yeah, just for the hell of it. Just for the hell of it, we'd be like, "Not <laughs> spreading any virus, <laughs> no chance." <laughs> Going back to movies, Ben, and right. particularly horror movies. Sleepaway Camp 2. Okay, I'll tell you this, man. I forgot that we did that movie on the show. Yeah. <laughs> that's how forgettable it is to you? Yeah, because like anybody that's listened to the show knows like Sleepaway Camp, the original, is one of our fucking favorites. Yeah. And our episode Genius. on that one is one of my favorite episodes that we've ever yeah. done because it's I think one. that we did dig deep into the mm-hmm. uh, crazy like sexual overtones and stuff like that that are yeah, in the movie. there's so much in there. Yeah, like, I know that everybody just kind of thinks of Sleepaway Camp as like, oh, it's the one with the real crazy ending, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but there's so much more to it. There's a lot to it. Yeah, there's way more going on there than what meets the eye. And then the second one is just kind of like, nope. I don't know, it's like a tranny that <laughs> kills people. more to it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> just a tranny who kills people. That's kind of That's it. it. <laughs> that is it. Yeah. That's exactly what happens. And she, she becomes this Bugs Bunny type of character and... It's it's Bruce Springsteen's sister as well. <laughs> that's right. So that's fun. <laughs> yeah, I I appreciate uh, Sleepaway Camp two and three for what they are, but they they are so just off the mark when it comes to the first Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, that they first Sleepaway don't... Camp to me is just one of those movies that didn't need a sequel. That was just a full yeah. story. There's nothing really else to say at that point to me. No. Yeah. It. it there was no reason for it really except to make more money and i you know i don't know how those movies didn't make that much money <laughs> i don't know how worth it it was right yeah. yeah 
All right, the last one that I want to mention then is a musical quantum leap that happened. I know we got some <gasps> some music listeners out there, some people that listen to music notes. <laughs> and I'll tell you this. The jump that happened from the first Meshuga full-length album, oh, Contradictions yeah. Collapse, to their second full-length album, Destroy, Erase, Improve. I can't even tell you what a crazy shift in tone and style that was. Of course, they were separated by an EP called None, N-O-N-E, which is fucking phenomenal. One of my favorites. But it's just four songs. So I'm choosing Destroy, Race, Improve because that's their next okay. full-length album, you know? Um, yeah. Have you ever listened to Contradictions Collapse? No. It sounds like if Metallica, like vintage Metallica, uh-huh. took a couple of years off, went to Berkeley, and then wrote Injustice for All. Okay. <laughs> Because it's right. really technical and like really proggy and like lots of odd time signatures and crazy complicated riffs and all that jazz. And uh-huh. it's really cool. It's like a fun prog thrash record, I guess. But then when you make that leap onto Destroy, Race, Improve and they're playing with the poly uh, polymeters and stuff and they're playing seven string guitars and it's just like, where the fuck did this come from? You know, it's <laughs> like they, they predated trends in metal by at least 20 years. Uh, Destroy wow. Race Improved came out in 1994, and that's got songs like Future Breed Machine and stuff like that on it that are kind of anthems of of their style, and that came out in 94. I mean, Kurt Cobain could have heard that before Courtney Love had him killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and maybe that was it. He heard it, and he was like, oh man, I got to get away from this grunge and start making music that sounds like music. Exactly. He's like, Courtney. And Courtney was like, that fuck, That bold no. new sound you've been looking for? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen to this. He started playing sub-levels <sighs> or something. Yeah. Yeah, totally out of nowhere, man. Um, Ancient Aliens. I'm just going to go ahead and settle it up right now. The truth for all time. All Ancient right. Aliens. Ancient Aliens. Yep. All right. Wow. <laughs> so much sugar. There they are. Well, you guys be sure to let us know what times one of your favorite entertainment medias has completely flipped the script for a sequel and changed it for the better or the worse. I think we kind of covered a little bit of, uh, of yeah. both of those possibilities here. Let us know over on the Facebook group. Where can they find that Facebook group? Uh, Facebook.com forward slash dead and lovely. That's right. Join up. Join in the chat. There's all kinds of cool kids. All the cool kids are doing it. Be somebody, baby. Yeah. One finally. of us. Yeah. Join one up there. One of us. One Chat of it us. up, man, and and hang out with us. And hey, while I've got your attention, go on iTunes, rate and review this show. Helps us out a fuck ton. And we also do a thing where at the end of your review, you can leave a question that we will answer on a future installment of the Preview Palace as like a little FAQ. We did one of those a couple yeah. weeks ago. It was really fun. Uh-huh. We love hearing from you guys and answering y'all's questions. So rate and review on iTunes at the end of your review. Read, uh, or sorry, leave a question. We'll read them and get back with you on a future FAQ. Hell yeah. All right, Steve. The subject of today's show is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, part two, which came out in 1986, I believe. That is true. It came out in August of 1986, so summer blockbuster. I was merely a (laughs) two-year-old boy, but I saw this movie for the first time, I actually think just probably about four years ago. Uh, this is actually only the second oh. time that I watched this movie. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It was one of those ones where it was a weekend. I didn't have anything to do. Kate was working a long day, and I was like, whatever, I'll watch this. You know? I mean, I was prepared uh-huh. uh, 
for what I was getting into, so I thought, because I'd seen the original <laughs> so many times, I figured this would be you just as like... Prepared. No, uh-uh, no. <laughs> I was anticipating this to be a similarly grim and just fucking brutal movie. Right. And I turned it on, and I was just like, oh, he started doing cocaine. <laughs> Lots of cocaine. <laughs> Got it. It's it's uh, a little bit goofy, for sure. It's weird, it goes man. from goes from just full-on realistic horror to black comedy, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Kinda. <laughs> uh, I I have I have some re- uh, there's some reasons that this is the way it is for sure. Yeah. And I I did some research to look into this to try to figure out kind of what why the this would happen because this came out the same month as Friday the 13th part 6 which is one of my absolute favorite Friday the 13th yeah but it is goofy as shit yeah I guess by this time a lot of the franchises had started kind of embracing the silliness between Freddy and Jason huh yeah uh, Friday the 13th part 6 is the one that starts with the paintball in the woods and the corporate retreat, and the, or it st- actually starts with Jason being resurrected by a lightning bolt and becoming superhuman. Yeah. Uh, and and then he kills all those people at the corporate retreat, and then like, uh, it it, it begins us down the path of the next movie. Where is that? Where we have the girl with psychic powers? Yeah, dude. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a weird one. And then Jason goes to hell, and Jason X. Like it begins down a path of goofiness. Uh, seven months after this would be when Dream Warriors came out, which is when Freddy becomes quippy. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I was wrong in saying that Freddy had become kind of a quippy character by yeah, this because, point. Okay. Yeah, because uh, the part two had just come out a little bit before this. So I forget I, how I, like far behind Freddy series was from yeah Jason. to Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, because yeah. those Friday the Thirteenth movies they came out one year. Them out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I looked back then at 1985 and I saw like where this is coming from. I mean, definitely this is all an extension from American Werewolf in London, which came out in 81, the, right. the move toward horror and comedy. But like ni- 1985, you got movies like Fright Night, which is a meta comedy at times, the Return of the Living Dead, which is full of comedy, Reanimator, which is full of comedy, and Teen Wolf. Like, all those movies that just come out in 1985, wow, and yeah. most of them were successful. So, if you're looking to make a sequel of an already successful horror movie, you can either... Uh, and and you can learn from the mistakes of Friday the 13th and some other series, Halloween, for instance. You can learn from their sequel mistakes, and you see what's going on in horror, the the best move seems like black comedy if you're trying to make money which is definitely what happened here because this is a canon film ben oh a canon yes canon films i so that's one of the documentaries i watched for this uh was electric boogaloo uh and it's it's the story of canon films oh wow i highly recommend it okay basically if you don't know anything about canon films i don't uh, Canon Films was started by Menachem Golem and Menachem Golem and I can't remember the other dude's name. Anyway, they were they were successful in uh, Israel in making movies. Was it him but, and the Glo- Globus guy? Yeah. Yes. That's okay. 
clearly these names are space aliens trying to integrate themselves <laughs> and disguise themselves as humans. Those are not human names, right. obviously. <laughs> So they're coming from Israel where they're making these movies that are kind of like they're, you know, they, they want to make Hollywood films, but they don't, they don't have the full understanding of how that, that happens. Well, back so, then it's like Hollywood was all that there was for making movies. Right. I mean, you know, we're, yeah. We live in the age of like independent cinema and fucking atlanta just down right. the road is like the new hollywood and stuff yeah right i mean yeah i mean other countries say like england and stuff were making their own stuff and had been for a while but like really hollywood was where people looked to movies uh and so like Menachem golem after some success in israel decides like he wants to move to hollywood and succeed in hollywood and his his way of doing that was by basically pulling ideas out of his ass constantly, <laughs> finding people to fund them, and making them as fast as possible. You got so any examples of what he did? Well, I mean, some of the movies he did, like, uh, I mean, one that always comes to mind is the Masters of the Universe movie. <laughs> oh, the He-Man shit. movie? Yeah. Like that, uh, yeah. He, like, that movie that everybody who was into he-man was so excited for and then when we watched it we were like what the fuck is this what the fuck is this thing man yeah it made no <laughs> sense but that no. thing is like he didn't need he didn't care if it made sense he didn't care if uh, the effects looked good he didn't care if they got the right shots he cared that they were on time and on budget and then now we release it wow and that, just crank that's it out. just it. Just crank it out. He created Chuck Norris's movie career. So no like way. all those early Chuck Norris movies were made by Canon. He also uh was in, instrumental in uh John Claude Van Damme's career. Like he but like if you look back at those movies, they're terrible fucking movies. <laughs> they're really bad, poorly made, but it, it didn't matter. To, to them that wasn't what it was about what it was about was if you could crank them out you can keep getting funding to crank out more to keep getting funding to crank out more like and, and that yeah, was what they were doing cycle yeah so like really they 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 got their big break when uh a, some new guy took over at mgm and mgm's distribution schedule had been just decimated so they had nothing to distribute and he saw this the production company that was just producing more and more movies over and over so signed a deal with them so now mgm is distributing these pieces of shit which <laughs> puts mgm's name on it which you see at the beginning of of texas chainsaw massacre 2 uh and now it's legitimized wow yeah so along the way there were some movies that were made that were okay um because he either like was working with a director he respected so he, he, they weren't pushing him to to do anything in particular like sometimes they really did let artists just be artists but a lot of the times it really was just like crank it out get it yeah. done we just need another stupid ninja movie like get it done uh and so for about a decade canon films was push pushing out tons of movies in the documentary i was watching they there was a person who said that basically Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 was the beginning of the end for canon movies, canon oh. films. So 
this movie uh i mean it was a 4.7 million dollar budget and it made 8 million at the box office but it was just like the margin was so low and what they expected from it was so high yeah that it, it really ruined their whole model kind of they they just were expecting it to make way more money well, that's the weird thing though is you know the first texas chainsaw came out 12 years before this yeah i mean this is in an age where like you said we had a new jason movie every year yeah and this waited over a decade this is like a fucking tool album release cycle right <laughs> exactly so like there might be a little bit of excitement built by hardcore fans but most people have probably forgotten the title yeah really and yeah. do you know if whenever this came out like what the public reception was like like were people liking it or were they like oh it's too different from the original i hate it uh i mean the critics obviously didn't like it but the critics nah, didn't really care for the original uh it, it made money i mean it, it made eight million but this is in august and uh it's obviously going up against a, a few weeks after friday 13th part six and that movie made a lot more money than this mm. so it, it doesn't seem like there was as big of a hype for a sequel to texas chainsaw massacre as there was to friday the 13th Word, uh, yeah. or or nightmare on elm street or, or any of the other sequels that came out around this time like people just weren't as enthused about it because i i mean really there's there's nothing about the first one that's campy and fun to to really play off of for no, a sequel not like, not in the least man and you got to think yeah. too like especially back then most of the audiences that were going and watching these classic 80s horror flicks were were teenagers yes like, like to and, guys, and they to guys weren't like us, even alive when that movie came out maybe that's what i'm saying yeah like to yeah. guys like us that are in our you know mid late 30s it's like we think back 12 years ago and we're like yeah i was still an adult back then yeah but <laughs> if you're a 19 year old going to see this movie that's a sequel to something that came out 12 years ago and this is i mean this is just at the time that the video rental market is taking off so right yeah you might like not have you, ever even seen the original right exactly Huh, I so, hadn't thought about that. It's just, it's a weird move, for sure. But it, it did make them a little bit of money. It just didn't make them the money they were expecting. Well, at the same it, time, that, they didn't really, like, bury the lead about the change in tone, judging by the fact no, that the, the movie immediate. poster, the movie poster they used as a, as a parody of the Breakfast Club poster. Yeah, yeah, It's it should be obvious that yeah. it's supposed to be a comedy, yeah. But it, it apparently wasn't as obvious. It, it, it really did kind of... It, it built a cult following pretty quickly because, as I said, this is the time the video rental market starts to really take off. So, mm -hmm. like, it it's one of those that did eventually build this huge cult following and made a lot of money in video sales. But it it just was a, a weird timing and a weird choice to make this sequel at this time. But, it, it I mean... You got all that you need here. You got Toby Hooper coming back to direct and Tom Savini doing effects. Like, that Pretty should be enough, yeah. right? Yeah. And then, I, of and course, I mean, the Toby cast, Hooper, Toby Hooper hadn't gone away. So other like, people were still following Toby Hooper's career. He had just done Life Force before this and something else earlier in 86. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, yeah, it's not, it's not Mars. 
it's not like he did Texas Chainsaw and he was a one-hit wonder, and then a decade no, he later, here he is. Stuff, yeah, right. Yeah, so they're 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 the indications that it should be successful. Plus, having Dennis Hopper, like yeah, Dennis the Hopper, cast is sick in this. Yeah, Dennis Hopper's career had been on a downswing, but they they caught him right at the time, like right before Blue Velvet came out, and uh, what was the other one? Fuck, got an Academy Award nomination for it. Wow. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so this came out right around then. So like once Blue Velvet hit, you you would think okay maybe people are uh, going to be more interested in Texas Chainsaw Massacre now because you know Dennis Hopper is back. Uh, but it it just didn't work that way. <laughs> Dennis uh, Hopper it, apparently said this was like the worst movie his, of his career yeah. until <laughs> the Mario Brothers movie, uh-huh. which is a real yep. head scratcher too. <laughs> yeah, that one didn't make any sense at all. Yeah, but yeah, it's Dennis Hopper definitely in this. Something's up, right? Like, yeah, we know he's supposed to be like clean around this time, but he—I don't think he is, dude. I wonder about clearly. that too, because yeah, based on the timeline, he was supposed to have been clean and sober by the time this rolled around. But dude, like, there's scenes where he just looks like fucking shit. Whenever Stretch brings yeah. him the tape in the hotel room. Yeah. He looks like he's coming off of like a week long bender. Like he just yeah, looks he does. terrible. And he doesn't right. look like the rest of the movie. He doesn't look like that the rest of the movie either. So I'm like, they just caught him on a really bad day. Or maybe uh, that was just symptoms of, you know, kicking the habit and he was having withdrawals. I maybe, don't know. Maybe so. I mean, the thing is, he's he's great in it. He's fucking he's insane. Yeah. He's insane. I don't know like how much of it was written and how much of it is just ramblings. But. He's great. It's an, a welcome addition to the movie because uh, that insanity is exactly what you need in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre film. It's fun to also see, like, obviously, uh, Rob Zombie's inspiration for the the cop character in uh, Devil's Rejects. Dude, I was this seriously like, about to say yeah. the same thing, man, where it's like a guy that's been driven mad... Yeah. by this person that's killed people that were important to him and becomes kind of an animal himself. Like Exactly, yeah. That is exactly that cop character, yeah, that Rob Zombie wrote too. Yeah, and I, I think that's awesome. I think that's such a cool character. And if it is written that way and, like, Hopper is just delivering the lines, genius writing. <laughs> I don't know right. who, <laughs> who came up with this insane person, but they did a great job. But I think a lot of it is just Dennis Hopper, like, being an insane person. <laughs> I think so, and chopping at a log with a chainsaw, and singing, and guy, singing hymns. <laughs> yeah, and that guy at the store just watching him chop it is so <laughs> weird. Oh right? my like, aching wh- banana! <laughs> what? <laughs> what the fuck? Like, what is that about? Oh man. So okay. So anyway, there's Dennis Hopper. You got Tom Savini effects. You got Toby Hooper, uh, and then like. Everyone else in the cast, uh, you got the 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 cook coming back from the original. Everyone else in the cast is 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 new, right? I, I could see why maybe that turned some audiences off. Maybe they were just like, uh, "This isn't gonna be great" because they can't get the original actors back. Yeah, but, how but, do you how do you feel about the non-return of Gunnar Hansen as Leatherface? Well, uh, I think with Gunnar Hansen, it would have been hard for him to convey the comedy that bill johnson conveys as leatherface 
Right. Because Gunnar Hansen is genuinely intimidating. Like, yeah. he's scary looking guy. I mean, he's obviously seems like a nice, or was a nice guy, but he just had that intimidating look to him. This guy, uh, he's tall, but the way they have the face, like you can see so much of his facial expressions and stuff, and he he doesn't come off as intimidating. Yeah, this would be kind of like like if you had Gunnar Hansen's Leatherface playing Leatherface like he was in the original, in this yeah. movie, it kind of would have been like Heath Ledger Joker in the original Batman. You know? Yeah. Or Heath Ledger like, Joker in Suicide Squad. Yeah, where it's <laughs> like, just like this is not fit not the working. tone. Yeah, not hitting yeah. the tone. Yeah, so I don't know. I I don't hate the the guy that plays Leatherface in this. He does no, look quite a bit different. He's got some poofy hair that's kind of questionable. Most every scene between Leatherface and Stretch, Caroline Williams, who is awesome in this, uh, every one of those scenes is is sexual, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the there's. The indication that he can't get it up, mm-hmm. meaning like in in the the radio scene where they're at the radio station, like he can't get it started. It looks like he's jerking off from one angle, and then they show you from the other angle. It's him like trying to pull the the starter, mm-hmm. and it's like a very obvious like he can't get it up type of thing. There's this sort of impotence uh being implied okay the cook later when they have uh stretch like backed in against a wall uh this is before the dinner scene the cook says you got one choice boy sex or the saw sex is well nobody knows but the saw the saw is family yeah very odd choices Uh, of dialogue yeah none of these guys are all brothers yeah. None of them were married. Like, it does seem that they are indicating that they don't have sex. Or if they do have sex, they don't have sex with women. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because they, they totally make a big deal about like, oh, Leatherface has brought home a, a girl for the first time and all that stuff. Yeah, the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And, like, first off, we know that there have been girls in the house. We saw the first one. So, like... This is the indication that he's showing sexual interest in a woman for the first time. I guess so. I mean, it makes sense when you look at it that way. Yeah. I mean, I I, I was very confused by it, but it all does seem to indicate at the very least that they are asexual. Like that hmm. sex is just of no interest to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's sex or the saw, the cook says. So like you either... Uh, are a cannibal or you can have sex <laughs> you can't have both I guess hmm yeah I hadn't thought about it that way actually that does kind of make sense though now that you say it yeah uh, it also plays into my overall theory about this that uh, they actually their family may have been a matriarchy ahead okay, of time yeah because you got this, grandma up there in the shrine right yeah and she she's like at the top she is at the height she's in a shrine basically they're worshiping her and they keep grandpa downstairs with him because he's alive still somehow <laughs> but well they act like, like grandma's alive too though like after Stitch yeah. takes the saw bill mosley is just like you killed her and it's like she was a corpse she was already dead yeah she's way dead uh so there there's some sort of indication then that maybe and and this is full-on speculation I'm thinking perhaps they they lived in such a way that 
the matriarch of the family chose uh, sons to potentially breed with because the cook is way older than the other two, but sure. they are called brothers. Yeah. Uh, is it possible that there is an incestuous angle going on here? I mean, they're kind of like they, backwoods, hillbilly cannibals right. and stuff like that, so that's not out of the question. Yeah. And so clearly, I, ain't none of them right. No, not not a one of them is right. That is true. So, like, this movie just, like, I have never questioned it, never, like, looked deep into it, but on this review, like, I, I really think there's a lot more to this movie than we give credit for it's not just a silly dark comedy i think that this movie is trying to say something but not doing it effectively hmm okay yeah because it definitely does focus on the family angle i think even more than the first yeah. one. clearly we develop yes. the dynamics of that family much much more and they're not just you know the enemies that our protagonists are trying to avoid like they are in the first one we right. spend a lot of time with the family as a whole and see the way that they interact with each other and we get to know those characters and stuff very well, especially Bill Mosley's Chop Top, who I think is really the star of this movie. Like, when you think of Texas yeah. Chainsaw, you think of Leatherface, but really, Chop Top dominates this movie. Okay, so Bill Mosley in uh, the... that uh, No, it wasn't the Canon Films. It was the other documentary I watched, In Search of Darkness, which is oh. about 80s horror movies, which is four and a half hours long. Oh, shit. Uh, I gotta watch that. Highly recommend it. Uh, it does like a chronological look at the the big 80s horror titles. Oh, dude. I think it's on that that uh, Bill Mosley says that like he, he sent this... He did this like thing called the Texas Chainsaw Manicure. Okay. With him and his girlfriend where he played the hitchhiker. And he was able to get it to a screenwriter friend who got it to Toby Hooper who really loved it and was like... Uh, this is great so he just uh, kind of like self-made a little short or something yeah uh-huh had he worked and as an actor before this uh i i don't think before he had sent that tape that he had this is i think his second credited role or so yeah anyway uh he sent this and toby hooper just basically kept it in the back of his head and then when they were developing Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and found out that they wouldn't get the actor who played the hitchhiker back, which was their their original plan, was to have the hitchhiker back and he was going to be called Platehead and he was going to have the plate in his head because his head got ran over by uh, the truck at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, at the yeah. end, right. But he didn't he didn't want to come back and so they contacted Bill Mosley and of course he was he jumped at the role and goes all in and is maybe the star of the the entire movie right boy howdy does he ever go all in man it's, it's one of those deals that like when we were watching this movie last night it was the first time that kate had seen it and i told her you know in advance it's like oh it's it's different it's way it different is. than the first one it and is. uh once we get to the scenes like in the in the radio station there where chop top shows up you know he gets on screen and starts talking to kate's like i know his voice from something uh-huh and i was like yeah that's fucking otis that's Bill Mosley. Bill Mosley, yeah. And she's like, no way. And uh, he really just disappears into that role of yeah. Chop Top. He's completely 
batshit insane, man. Yep. And he was improvising a ton of those lines, especially really? when he's like hitting people, when he was hitting the LG in yeah, the yeah, radio yeah. station. Incoming like, mail. Yeah. Apparently Toby Hooper just kept the, the camera rolling. <laughs> and then like he thought like Bill Mosley thought he was doing something wrong. But uh, actually, it was just Toby Hooper was thoroughly entertained by it. Thought it was great. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like, uh, th- there's that. I mean, Bill Mosley really nails it. There, There's not much about the movie that I would really complain about as far as any sort of horror movie goes. Uh, it's just a, it is a strange, strange sequel to the original. <laughs> yeah. It, it's hard to see the connections. I... I did okay, so I I really put some time into this because those guys at the beginning say they're going to the Red River Showdown. Uh-huh. Uh so I know that this is supposed to be set in nineteen eighty six. So the first day that we see, I can say with almost a hundred percent certainty, is October tenth, nineteen eighty six. Eighty six, so okay. The, yeah, because the Red River Showdown is the uh, game between the University of Texas and University of Oklahoma. It's huge, gigantic game. They say that they're coming from, like, McKinley High School. That's in the northern panhandle of Texas. That's why they're going through Oklahoma to get to Texas. Because um, they're going to Dallas. Uh, this definitely is playing off of something that people who live in texas would probably understand i know the panhandle has a whole lot of like oil fields and stuff so i i'm guessing these are supposed to represent some sort of oil billionaires like rich spoiled ass kids who are just driving a mercedes with a a, a license plate that says fuck you and shooting (laughs) shit out the windows as they go like there there's some sort of representation of a a a Texas stereotype or a Midwest stereotype that I don't think registers now very easily, but probably was more recognizable then. I mean, the fact that they have a car phone seems like a big deal to me, but then the cook has a car phone, but then I remember that they steal shit from people. So that makes sense, but they have a car phone. That's like 1986 with a fucking car phone. Yeah. Yeah. You had to be rich, right? Totally. Yeah, so uh, they're they're driving to Texas, get stopped in Oklahoma. Now, I I, I don't know what um like where because it is a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but this is an Oklahoma radio station, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I I think because I know that the uh, Toby Hooper is a University of Texas alumni. I, I think he's playing somewhat on this Texas-Oklahoma rivalry, which is interesting. I like a, a fun little thing to throw into a horror movie, but like I don't know what, again, what it's getting at. What, what's the point of it? Uh, it? Was it really just that they're like, they, they had this cool, fun black comedy script, but like Toby Hooper just couldn't help but throw in these little breadcrumbs to try to make it seem like there was more to connect well ben grandpa's looking good 13 years later he's fresh as a rose on his (laughs) liquid diet he's looking good he's feeling good he definitely does look a lot better in this movie than he did in the og in the og i'm just like is he supposed to be 
dead Mum- mummified <laughs> right a, a corpse like what the fuck is he yeah he's improved somehow he's in the looking past spry. 13 years yeah exactly yeah. whatever he's doing i'm gonna say it's working maybe <laughs> they've got him doing some chair aerobics or something up there maybe it's that uh, uh young woman blood that's all you need it might be that <laughs> yeah <laughs> dude the facial cast and stuff they did for him and like the way his his fucking teeth and his eyes yeah. and everything look is really grim. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Tom I like Savini. that they kept him like non-verbal and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I got to say, the kind of just complete retread of the dinner scene and the whole like, yeah. he's a one hitter. He used to be the greatest in the game. Here, let's put a woman over a pail and have grandpa try to hit her over the head with a hammer. Yeah, it's oh, exactly the it. same as, as the first one. That was a little on the nose to me. Like cartoonish and over the top just uh i think it i mean it serves to serves as a good illustration that this is a dark comedy because there's no way you would just repeat what you did in a horror movie but with more light and uh like a a less intense soundtrack and expect it to get a horror reaction like Mm -hmm. it's it's definitely played for comedy but it's I don't know. Yeah, it is just a definite. Like, there are so many things in this that seem to mirror the first movie, uh, but it, it's, I think, trying to overblow it and make it comical and make it ridiculous. I think so, too, for sure, yeah. man. And, and one character I think I definitely could have done with less of is the fucking cook. <laughs> <laughs> is that there's right? So, dude, there's so much of him in this movie and all that he does, which I guess it's kind of similar to what he does in the first movie, but there's just less of it in the first movie. All he does is just like bitch at the other people and gripe at them and complain and bitch and moan and call names and yeah, God, he's fucking annoying, dude. Yeah, I mean he he, he he's the most consistent character. He's exactly like he was in the first one. Yeah, but you just get a uh, lot a little, more of him. Yeah. And now he's uh, good at cooking chili. <laughs> Before it was barbecue. Now, why is it chili now? Hey, that's true. They did change it up, didn't they? Yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah, it should have been a barbecue cook. Maybe he was always a chili man, but barbecue sells better. It might be that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, he's great and very effective in that he does totally get under your skin and stuff. But God yeah. damn, mm-hmm. man. He's he like gets fucking, under your skin. Yeah. yeah, he's like Franklin in the original or something, you know? Right, yeah. Uh, Chop Top has his... Sorry. No, go ahead. That's fine. No, it's okay. Um, Chop Top also has his moments, too, where he does get very fucking annoying. All that, like, Nam Land, Nam Land, and he's walking around with a corpse and all that stuff. Yeah, I think... He gets really annoying, man, which also just kind of goes to show you, it's like, oh, Rob Zombie watched this and was like, cool, put annoying characters in your movie. Got it. Yeah, and and then he created Baby, and that that was it yeah that's exactly what i was thinking is he he took the annoying bit out of the bill mosley and gave us like chop top without annoying is what we get from bill mosley and uh, uh not the not devil's rejects but the first one what was that thousand corpses like, yeah uh, uh the house of a thousand corpses that's that's the bill mosley we would get there and then he becomes a more definite character in devil's rejects but like yeah it really is him just sort of set like House of a Thousand Corpses is really him just sort of picking apart Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah, it totally, seems. man. 
But you know, yeah. I will say too, like I love a lot of the characterization and stuff that that Mosley put into that role and just all the weird shit where it's like whenever you meet him, he's wearing that like hippie outfit and the Sonny Bono wig and he's yeah. like lighting that coat hanger and scratching his head with it and sometimes like biting Eating. little bits off of whatever mm-hmm. he scratches off his head. It's just like yeah. what the fuck is going yeah. on here? And also he looks like a damn zombie or something. Like he looks like a fucking. Corpse. He does. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that that would have all made more sense if it were the original Hitchhiker. Like it would. Like the design and stuff would have all made more sense because you'd be like, oh yeah, that guy's supposed to be dead. <laughs> like right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. then you can also just kind of explain away. It's like, oh, he wasn't. Yeah. You know, he was. He went to Vietnam and shit like that. Like there's a lot of like yeah. Vietnam kind of references and stuff yeah. here. I guess, I guess that. Chop Top is supposed to be kind of a, a yeah. returning soldier from Vietnam who's been in the shit. Right. So he he was gone during the events of the original. Right. That and yeah, that's the explanation. And yeah, but really, he's just taking over the role. <laughs> I do like though that they did even keep the corpse of the hitchhiker in here. Yeah, and like and the, he the corpse around of, with him and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and the corpse of Franklin in the wheelchair and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like. The returning characters are mostly corpses. Hey, well, yeah, and and that's a good joke. Like, I I really think that's funny. Like, the idea of the sequel is so ridiculous because who would even be coming back? It would just be Leatherface and the Cook would be the only ones alive. So, like, yeah, to have it be surrounded by corpses is perfect. Yeah, I think so, and I even love that first appearance that we get of. Again, the hitchhiker and Leatherface when they're like doing that crazy highway chase scene with the two annoying frat uh-huh. kids and stuff. Yeah. And like you don't even get Leatherface at first. It's just like this weird zombie corpse holding yeah. a chainsaw on top of this car, and you realize it's like, oh, Leatherface is like wearing this person. Yeah, it's like a yeah, a reanimation of a dead old idea. It's a joke about the movie itself. It's a meta joke like i guess so yeah when you look yeah. at it that way it is yeah i i it's it would be easy for me to see someone watching this and be like i don't see how this is a comedy mm-hmm. because it's so dark like it's a very very, very very dark comedy it's very brutal and 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 gory but over the top and in, in a way that you never really buy into it if you're a horror fan but I, I imagine there could be some non-horror fans who would watch this and be like, I do not see what you would laugh about mm-hmm. in watching yeah. this movie. What is wrong with you? <laughs> and dude, all those characters like Grandpa and uh, Chop Top and the corpse and all that stuff are brought to life by, once again, the Wizard of Gore, yeah. Tom motherfucking Savini. Hell yeah. And his effects in this, obviously, of course, are fantastic. Yeah, and apparently there were uh there was supposed to be a scene where uh the the family, the Sawyer family goes out and massacres like a, a bunch of people and Tom Savini had these super elaborate effects and they ended up getting cut Aww. for time. Cuz I mean it like when you read about it it's like, oh yeah, when would they even do that? When would they throw that in? Uh, it makes sense that they cut it, but it's also it it sucks to hear that his best effects or his most elaborate effects were cut completely from the movie. Mm-hmm. But you can see that there is a version of it. I didn't get a chance to watch it because it was hard enough to find uh, 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two anywhere right now. Yeah, apparently. I had to sign yeah. up for a week trial of Stars. Like you right. can't even. I think you can rent it on iTunes, but I don't have an Apple yeah. TV or whatever, so you right. can't even like rent it or buy it on Amazon. So I had to do like a Stars, yeah, free trial or whatever. Yeah, so uh, I didn't get a chance to watch that, but they, they has it has been restored as as well as having a cameo from Joe Bob Briggs. Oh no shit! <laughs> yeah, that got cut. But Joe Bob Briggs was in this movie originally. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's interesting, though, that uh, Tom Savini and Toby Hooper coming together, like, I always forget that Tom Savini did the effects for this. And they're really good, but it's like, I, when I think back to this movie, a lot of times I sort of just dismiss it as, like, ah, it was just sort of a comedy thing. But, like, mm-hmm. the effects are so good. Yeah, yeah, like, dude, especially the ones that stand out to me are after, who's the, the, the radio boss guy, LG, I think LG, is LG, yeah. Uh-huh. Whenever he gets, like, skinned alive and then oh, comes back. Oh, it looks back. so good. Yeah, oh, it looks God, so good. dude, it's fucking so brutal, man. Like, you can see his, you know, musculature and tendons mm-hmm. and stuff, and, like, the facial prosthetic, like, moves really well even as yeah. he's talking, but also you get the impression that, like, he can't really talk that well because his face has been cut off. Right, yeah. Oh, man, yeah. so impressive. And even, like, during the intro there, whatever, that one kid's head gets kind of, like, sliced in half while he's driving the car, and it slowly slides off, and then eventually he's got, like, half a head, but his hands are still yeah. on the wheel, and he's squirting blood yeah. everywhere. That's a great <laughs> effect. Also, it really is. love, during the chainsaw fight, Leatherface yes. gets, like, impaled with a chainsaw and keeps uh-huh. fighting. Yeah. God, it looks so awesome, awesome, man. But, you know, it extends out beyond just the obvious special effects and stuff like that, even into the, what I would call the set dressing and stuff, where, like, you've got all these oh, yeah. human parts hanging from the ceiling and shit like uh, that. Like, the set design in this is sick. And the lighting is insane. Like, it is yeah. every light source they could find, basically. Like, there's even a, a, a stoplight in there, like... Just anything that emitted light is what they put in their tunnels, and it's awesome. Like, yeah. it just, it's it's got the, it's got that real sort of Goonies feel at times. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can see that. Like, there's an underground also, cave that's still like lit really well and stuff. Yeah, yeah, but it also reminded me of the 1990s Saturday morning science show Beekman's World. It <laughs> reminded me of the Holy set dressing shit. of Beekman's World so It much. absolutely is. I didn't even think yeah. about that. And I, I have to assume that the people from Beekman's World were working off of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Well, I mean, right? clearly this is like a movie that did inspire quite a cult following when you've even got like, like Jerry was a race car driver by Primus, which samples Bill Mosley saying, Dog will yeah. hunt before the Dog guitar solo hunt. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is kind of a cult movie already. Yeah. By this point, I even wonder too if like Chop Top's metal plate in his head was maybe some kind of weird inspiration for the mom and Pete and Pete having the metal plate in her head. You remember that? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I hope so. I hope that's true because I know. I mean, Pete and Pete was real fucked up, weird, real so fucking. Weird, I would believe man. it. Yeah. <laughs> God, I love that show so much, man. Yeah, it's awesome. I might just go back on like YouTube or something and see if I can find some old episodes of that because I think about that show. Like, all the time. It's so funny to me, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the sets and everything are great, but you know, at times they're really confusing, too, because yes, they are. 
most of this movie, like probably half the movie, takes place in these underground catacombs. It's not in a Texas farmhouse in the middle of a field in the middle of nowhere. Okay, where the fuck are they? Because it shows like whenever they're driving in, you have this big sign that says like Texas Battle Land, which I assume is maybe some kind of museum or attraction. Like, I don't know what the fuck it is. Not sure. Yeah, I it's it's very uh, strange, and like it, it it seems to have a a ton of different things that would go in an amusement park or a a, a fairground or something. But why are there all the tunnels? I don't know. Like, did they dig these tunnels? Have they looted a fairground? Like, what is going on? Where yeah. is this? I, yeah. I really wondered if this is just something where, like, I, you know, my my attention span shifted for a second, and I missed it where they said, oh, they're at the old Texas Alamo Battle Museum that goes underground. Like, I didn't know uh, if I, I mean, missed something here. Because, like, I know dri- at the beginning, driving in, the, the one dude is shooting signs, and it there are signs for several different attractions okay but i like i don't know i it, yeah that must be what that was supposed to be indicating so yeah there was something about alamo battleground or whatever but there's no way again they're in north texas they're on the border of oklahoma there's no <laughs> way the alamo is not there no not even close <laughs> But the thing is, is the movie is so batshit crazy that you just kind of go with it and you're like, yeah, they're underground now. There's Christmas lights in these tunnels yeah. and corpses hanging Yeah, up. you just you buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Because nothing I, else makes sense, so go for it. I, You know, I never really questioned it because I've seen this since I was a kid. And now that you're making me question it, it's like, yeah, what the fuck? Where are they? What is going on? Like, what have they... Obviously, they've left their old house probably... You know, because one of those truckers got away and reported what was going on. Oh, and Sally got away. Though, I think she's supposed to be catatonic whenever uh, they do talk to her and she doesn't. Yeah. I think that's the lore that we get later. Well, I think they said somewhere in there that the old farmhouse, the old family house burnt down or something like that, too. It's like a really just off-the-cuff, not-important line. Yeah. So, they... They're hiding out, I would assume, right? But they would not have the time to dig all those tunnels. But they do look to be rickety-ass tunnels. Yeah. That. So maybe that's the implication. The past 13 years, they've been building these underground tunnels and stealing shit from those different uh, attractions that we saw the signs for and using that to decorate their weird tunnel house and eating people oh and also eating people and building <laughs> a shrine to uh, grandma at the top where she gets i guess it's like a ceremonial chainsaw <laughs> i mean they I come know. from a long line of chainsaw people i guess yeah. although like yeah. leatherface is the only one that ever wields a chainsaw like the way that the cook right. and stuff they talks say the about saw it, is family that, but yeah. yeah but he's kind of the only one that does it so what yeah i don't get it but you know the thing is too though is that is kind of interesting when you think about in the first one we we talked a little bit about how 
uh, Leatherface takes on the matriarchal role and puts on the woman right. face and the apron yes, and the wig yeah. and stuff like that. And even like makes like feminine noises when he's wearing that wig and, and face. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So maybe it is the role in this family that the matriarch is the one that wields the ultimate power, the chainsaw. Holy shit. Yeah, that is it. And so nobody he else is their one. chosen like matriarch because they don't have a woman to be that matriarch. Yeah. And when they do bring in women, they just feed her blood to Grandpa. I guess so. Huh. Yeah, so wow. I guess really We've Leatherface really is the matriarch <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. I huh. think that that makes the most sense. I guess so. so. That it, wow. Huh. What do you know? What do you know? Now it makes <laughs> me want to rewatch Leatherface uh, because I know Leatherface spreads more with the family leatherface is is uh again a dark movie uh not a comedy like this though it has comedic moments for for sure but it, it also has like more family members and stuff and they're out in a cabin in the woods okay uh, yeah yeah I'll, I'll have to re-watch that to see where they take it because it's really only uh those three movies and then uh part four new beginning those are their own like uh canon and then all the other texas chainsaw massacre movies that have come out are their own separate canon okay because those go deep into like the family lore and stuff and it's really not that cool or interesting well that's the thing is like in this one you know when leatherface gets like impaled with the chainsaw which i totally didn't remember hey no we're both like doesn't he come back in other movies yeah, I mean, he's he's back in part three for sure and uh, part four. Uh, so I guess they're just not really acknowledging that then, huh? Yeah, and part four goes more into the cross-dressing and stuff too. But it, it's also, it's, I mean, it's a weird fucking movie. It's got Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey and Jeff Oh, it's that Jeff one, Nelson. yeah. yeah. <laughs> weird, man. Yes. You know, one thing that struck me about this too is while the original had a very minimal soundtrack. I mean, calling it a soundtrack is a stretch because it's really just like slaughterhouse noises and yeah. like weird mechanical whirrings and uh-huh. screeches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, is that a soundtrack exactly? Meanwhile, <laughs> this movie has, I guess, just kind of one soundtrack original piece here, which sounds like 8-bit boss battle music. <laughs> yes. It's like super synthy, and you get treated to the whole thing over those opening credits, which are boring as fuck, dude. The opening they credits are, are so boring. long, and it's just a yeah. black screen with text yeah. saying who mm-hmm. who made the movie. Like, you couldn't give me overhead aerial views of Texas, like crime scene photos, yeah. like nothing. Yeah, I mean, the original starts with, first off, a great voiceover by John Larroquette, whereas this starts off with a eh, narration. Yeah, from, that kind of gets uh, some of the facts wrong, where it's like, they yeah. ran out of gas, and it's like, yeah. no, they didn't. They went to their family home. They didn't run out of well, gas. They they were low on gas, and that's why they couldn't leave. So that is kind of true. But, okay, so according to the crime scene, it could have looked like they ran out of they gas. They ran out of gas, yeah. Okay, fair enough, uh, fair enough. But, uh, yeah, like, the original starts with the slow, like, light. Like, we hear, like, the the flashes of the bulbs going off. Yeah, and yeah. see, like, corpse parts and things. Like, that's so interesting and draws you in. Whereas this, yeah, it's just black screen, red text. Here you and go. And synth music. Synth music. Movie is a happening. Yeah. 
And the rest of the soundtrack is all like actual music. Yeah, Tim Buck Three got two songs on here. Neither one of them uh, is is the their hit. What is that? Fuck. Which Future band? so bright, I gotta wear shades. <laughs> Which That's band Tim is Buck it? Three. I don't Tim know Buck them, three. dude. Yeah, well, they did the future. My future's so bright, I gotta wear shades. So okay, there you go. right on, man. Huh? Yeah, the soundtrack in this is just kind of goofy and kind of whatever. I mean, it's you know, obviously, it's like they couldn't really use super hot licensed music because of budget. Yeah. But yeah, the original score not not really killer in my opinion. No, no, it's nothing amazing. But it, I mean, like if you had the. If you had something like the original, it would really undercut a lot of the comedy. Because <laughs> the original, like, it just keeps you on edge all the time with those, like, noises and things. Like, Totally. Yeah. Yeah, super, So, yeah, super I, I think it's probably a smart idea to not have something like that, but it, it, it could have been way better, for sure. Is this a scary movie? Depends. I mean... I think it plays on a lot of fears that women have to deal with, for sure. Okay, uh, yeah. Like sexual assault, uh, you know, big strong men being bigger and stronger, like not being able to escape. Uh, I think Caroline Williams does a great job. I think Stretch, the character, uh, plays Leatherface like a boyfriend. Like she, she she's really smart about it in and we're seeing i think like uh this veneration of female skill Mm -hmm. so there there's a lot going on there for sure okay yeah and i mean she does keep herself alive at the end of the day yeah yeah and not only alive but now she has the fucking ceremonial chainsaw and she's the one like i don't know if you notice like uh I I call it the gorilla arms. <laughs> Bill Johnson is that his name? Bill Johnson. Yeah, Bill Johnson in this like for some reason keeps raising the chainsaw above his head and doing like these monkey arm. Yeah, type totally. Of yeah, he does. And then she does it at the end. Like she is now like the dominant one. She is she has fucking not only survived hmm. but won, dominated. Yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. so. And she kind of, kind of also sort of imitates the Leatherface chainsaw dance at the end yeah. of the original too. Yeah. So like, I think there's a lot there about like she, she's winning. Like she's using her skill and ability to manipulate them and to use his obvious sexual interest in her against him. Yeah, to her advantage. Yeah, so it's like because with Marilyn Burns, uh, from the first one, she is so great, but like she really is just running and screaming the whole time. Oh yeah. Uh, whereas Stretch is putting some plans together and stuff like that chase scene between her and Chop Top that was really well choreographed. I thought like yeah, it, it was. It, totally. it had like a good sort of like flow to it and and showed like how intelligent she was and how like she was thinking of different ways to escape and how he was uh, you know more familiar with the territory but she was still capable of getting away from him at least long enough to get to the chainsaw man there at the end too where she's trying to start the chainsaw and he's like just slashing at her back which is brutal yeah a, a mirror back to the first one where that's what is going on when she's running down the road he's just slashing her back with the the razor 
Oh, like, yeah, I guess so. I didn't think yeah. about that. Yeah. I think this one, it, it really does. It, it goes from, like, it goes from a, a film that is about, like, the fragility of humanity to a film that is about how badass a woman can be. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. it, it's, it like, to, to make it a bit lighter than the original and to, instead of the woman at the end be a screaming mess, have the woman be, like, the final one not just final girl but the final person they all uh seemingly are killed right yeah yeah the so, grenade went off yeah. and then yeah i guess she not chop top down the uh down the chute yeah. and stuff there yeah uh so like i i think you know it, it's almost a way of making up for the final girl of uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre not being this like strong sort of character that we got in say Halloween right yeah I mean even though she's not excessively strong in Halloween she is still like strong and smart like she makes good decisions yeah. right yeah that, that's something I was going to ask you about too is like do you like the end of the movie because like there's this huge dramatic build up there's this cat and mouse sort of chase Mm -hmm. the, the tunnel caves in all that other yeah. kind of stuff there's the, the fight with the grandma's chainsaw and all that and right. then the movie is just kind of like it's over <laughs> the end yeah i Are do okay i, I think it's good yeah i do i because i don't i don't want uh i wouldn't want an epilogue of her talking to the cops or whatever i, I mean what would the epilogue be is kind yeah. of what i'm thinking i, yeah, I feel like yeah that's that. a good place to stop like that's it the end yeah, it Maybe. is it is abrupt, but at the same time, yeah. it's kind of like you're saying it's like, well, where where could they have yeah. gone exactly? If she beats Chop yeah. Top, and then she goes down to the rubble underground, and it's like, well, everybody's dead here. <laughs> yeah, where could you go? <laughs> the end. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing you would do there is to cut to Leatherface and show his eye open or something to indicate there's going to be another film. But I don't think Toby Hooper wanted to do another. I think he wanted to end it here. And that's yeah. why he has everybody get killed. But then again, Leatherface happens a few years later. So Right. I I do say that I think that it could have used a little editing. I think that, I mean, it's like an hour 41, I think. Yeah, it does seem ex like even though they cut out those two slaughter scenes, it seems like they're just some small snips here and there that could have at least got it down to 135 or so i think so too it's like yeah. there's just a lot of scenes of just like yeah just some minor dialogue or even like the cook like talking to himself and stuff like yeah. that and i'm like yeah that's fine but i pretty well know how this character works by now i don't necessarily need to spend right. more time with them hearing their inner monologue to themselves to understand yeah. this character and i definitely don't I think need though, more of like chop top running around it, it, being an asshole and making the movie longer right uh i think though that probably has to do with what we were saying that the assumption would probably be from the production side a lot of people that see this aren't gonna know the first movie yeah so maybe you you do have to retread some territory because of the audience you're anticipating i mean now you wouldn't have to do that but then probably more likely i mean you look back at uh, tv shows in the 80s and early 90s like the pre-streaming period the pre even pre-period where you would get movies on uh vhs or get shows on vhs they would do so much reminding you of what happened in previous episodes if it was a serial show right because the assumption is 
you you watched it a week ago and you couldn't possibly have seen a rerun of it so they have to remind you i i think that is what's going on here with that and like if you were to cut that it wouldn't hurt the movie at all yeah that's, because that's true audiences now can just watch them back to back or whenever they want yeah 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 i feel like it could have been trimmed down a little bit like again it's like it's it's a reasonably suspenseful movie like there's not necessarily yep. a ton of what i would call scary stuff in it there's a few good jumps in there like i love whenever they're in the radio station and leatherface like pops out from the the records room and stuff like that like you thought she was alone in the in the radio station with mm-hmm. chop top and yeah. then like they're in the records archives where leatherface like busts out like that's a really yeah. good scare and stuff yeah it is and he, when he comes through the wall like Kool-Aid Man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was really good. Like, because that, that's, I think I've talked about this before. It's just that, like, the the concept in horror movies that walls stop people. Like, walls aren't that much. Like, when you build a wall, <laughs> you realize how much empty space is in a wall. So it, it was cool to see, like, oh, yeah, they have exploited that before. And I think I when we did Mandy... Uh, during the chainsaw fight, I was like, I don't know if I've ever seen a chainsaw fight. I have seen a chainsaw fight. It was in this. Uh-huh. With a buck wild Dennis yeah. Hopper. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, this movie has some cool, like, interesting elements to it that, like, really do play with uh, some fun parts of horror that maybe hadn't been played with a lot. But it, it again, like, yeah, it's not scary. It's not going to stick with you, I don't think. Yeah, and it doesn't give you that, like, I need to take a long, hot shower feel that the first yeah, one Yeah, you don't feel dirty after it either. Yeah. And I'll say that that's a good thing and a not good thing. I mean, the fact that right. that first TCM is so effective and just so, like, good yeah. lord. It's just, like, sensory overload, you know? It's so depraved yeah. in a lot of ways. And this one isn't really. Uh, this is an easier watch than part one, and maybe that's good and maybe that's bad. Yeah, I'd say for sure that it's probably good for a lot of people i i don't think that texas chainsaw massacre the original is infinitely rewatchable it's grueling uh, dude yeah but i think you you can rewatch this over and over and just enjoy it so th- it's got that to it for sure sure I mean, man uh, it's i mean if we're getting we're getting to the point where we're summarizing i i would say like really when it comes down to it this movie uh is so shockingly different from its original but it's it's a good thing on its own like it is it is fun and funny at moments and uh the the gore is great the there's some good tension like i i really just i can't complain about it it's just so weird when you think about it in context of the first movie right totally yeah yeah so i mean if i had to give this a rating i know i gave the original a 10 for sure but for me like this this movie is is a a good time i i get a good bit annoyed by chop top the cook is a little annoying to me too like they're bits about this that annoy me and i do think it's a little bit too long uh, but it overall it is it's it's a wild ride like it's worth 
the watch for sure. So I'm going to give this like a seven and a half. Seven and a half. Okay. I think that's pretty fair, honestly, because it's like you said, it's like there's not really a lot to complain about. Super crazy over the top performances by Dennis Hopper and Bill Mosley. And what's uh, what's her name that plays Stretch? She's fucking fantastic. Uh, Yeah. I think we kind of. I think we kind of underplayed her in this movie because she really does do a great job of being at times confident, at times super scared. She's got like a great scream and stuff. Like she really does a very good job in this flick and and brings a lot to it. A real quick, real quick about her. Apparently for her audition, um, whenever she got called for the audition, like in, you know, at the actual place, she uh, went to the end of the hallway and came running from the end of the hallway, burst through the doors, and then uh, was like, like screaming and stuff, and got both of the guys to help her barricade the door, like uh, uh, Toby Hooper and and whoever else was there, one of the producers, oh, got shit. them to help her barricade the door. Like that was her way of auditioning, showing that she can do pure terror and really sell it to you, dude. Uh, that's awesome. So, yeah. Uh, that's that's really cool. Like she she does such a great job. Holy shit! Yeah, that's fantastic. I didn't know that. But you know, at the same time, it's like it's one of those movies where, like you said, you've got characters like the cook and Chop Top that are so memorable, but yet overbearing and obnoxious at times mm-hmm. that it's kind of hard to find like what's the right time to watch this movie. Like, what is my <laughs> mood whenever I'm like I'm in the mood to watch TCM two. It's kind of hard to say, honestly. Right. But I think I'll, you put it on at a Halloween party, maybe. <laughs> it's one of those, right? Yeah. Or, you know, as I experienced last night whenever we watched this again, uh, you watch it with somebody who has only ever seen the first one and has never seen this one. Like, it's really fun to watch <laughs> this movie with somebody yeah. for the first time for them. For them to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, what the fuck is going on? Like, the whole the whole movie, like I was watching it with Kate, and, you know, it's like every, like, ten minutes, she'd be like, what the fuck is this? Like, what's going on? You know? It's really fun to watch this as somebody and experience someone uh, seeing this movie for the first time. So, like, that's a great time to watch this flick. But it's not one that I'm going to, like, go back and rewatch at any old time, you know? It's yeah. not as, like, draining as the first one. I mean, the first one is just, like, god damn, just so fucking nuts and so deranged. Yeah. That, you know, you really got to kind of prep yourself whenever you're going to watch that movie. This movie is just so fucking weird, man. It's crazy, but in a completely different way. Yeah. But still really cool and really memorable. And again, great special effects, great sets and stuff like that, too. I think that I would probably give this one about a six and a half. I'm going to go a little bit lower. Six and a half. Yeah, maybe maybe six, six and a half, something like that. I know this is one of those ones that has a huge cult following. Yeah. And I understand why, uh, but like I said, for me, the rewatchability and stuff like that, it's not Pretty really going to be anything that I go and rewatch anytime soon. Yeah, I get it. I, yeah, I definitely, uh, I give it a point for nostalgia. It is one that I've liked since I was a kid. So it, it, it's not, uh, not exceptional, but still worth a watch. Right on, man. Well, that was a fun one to talk about and stuff. I think we plumbed some new depths of that one and found out some cool shit about it. I'm excited to talk about next week's movie that we're going to be doing here on the show, too. This is one that came out, uh, I believe, last year, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So it should be able to uh, be found pretty easily on your streaming sites. It's on on HBO. HBO? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. Or you could probably rent it on Amazon or whatever. Yeah. 
uh, we're going to be talking about Ma. 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 Oh, hey, Ma. I'm excited it's, to watch it's about, this. It's about uh, an Italian lady and her sons. Oh, Ma. yeah. <laughs> no, nah, it's actually Octavia Spencer, and I, I watched it... Uh, a few months ago and oh, yeah. i was like oh this is actually really cool like because i thought the previews had given it all away me but too they, yeah that's why did i didn't not. see it in the theaters yeah. i was like man the yeah. preview just kind of showed me the whole fucking movie yeah. so i think i think it's worth a watch uh i won't say much more because we're gonna do an entire podcast about it so. all right <laughs> then i'll look forward to it man yeah it should be fun uh we'll tune in to that one and give it a good strong deep dive review next week on dead and lovely in the meantime you guys can follow us on the social media at dead lovely pod on twitter and instagram we got facebook.com forward slash dead and lovely head on over there uh we've also got patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely this movie we did today was a patreon pick you're damn right we just randomly drew it from submissions from our five dollar patreon patrons so if you want to decide which movies we cover head on over there become a five dollar patron throw something in this bowl i've been drawing from and maybe we'll cover your movie next month boom shakalaka that's damn right right there yeah guys be sure to uh rate and review on itunes tune into the show next week yada 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 hope you guys have been having a good time <laughs> staying super healthy staying horrified by some super fun scary movies and uh washing hands and wiping your ass y'all <laughs> gotta make sure gotta make sure cover them bases well, we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks so much for tuning in. We have been Uncle Ben. Hollywood Steve. You guys have been dead and lovely. We'll catch you all next time. Bye. Can you just imagine the scene in really just within the next few years? You're going to be at a traffic light. Uh-huh. And like a couple of good old boys, just some good old redneck boys are right. going to pull up next to you in their big, crazy Tesla truck. Yeah. And they're going to be probably like blaring, um, I don't know, let's just say Old Town Road or something like that. <laughs> yeah. What a bold new world that'll be, right? Yeah, that'll really, I mean, honestly, <laughs> that was the future I think Dr. King saw in his dream. It was it was rednecks revving up that Tesla engine and listening to Old Town Road. <laughs> Guys in a electric truck supporting gay black men. They'd have to add like a sound to it to make it sound loud to sell it to rednecks. <laughs> like oh, like add in like a sound effect in the right. muffler or something. Yeah, so I it, hope it's actually a sound effect of a guy going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>